I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a game show fanatic. I love game shows. I love games, just, uh, just in general. But I, I'm a little quirky thing about me, I love game shows. In fact, you may not know this about our family, but we actually competed on the family feud back a few years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I think they have a picture of it. Will you show them the, the, the picture? This is us on the family feud a couple years back and uh, right there in Jesus' name. Okay, I guess we don't have it. But, um, but yeah, so it was before... Uh, um, uh, who's doing it now? Uh, um, uh, Steve Harvey. Before Steve Harvey was doing it, it was when the tall white guy was doing it. And so we flew out to Hollywood and we competed and uh, it was awesome. We had a great time. It was great, but we didn't win. We were syndicated losers and uh, so it was, yeah, but we really had a great time. It's actually on uh, uh, that week, uh, Michael Jackson had died. So we were in Hollywood as uh, right after Michael Jackson had died. And so it was kind of a big deal there on the strip, you know. And so, but I, I just love game shows. And, and in fact, today's teaching, today's message is going to be kind of tied to a game show. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys have ever seen the game show uh, Baggage, but uh, I hope you, none of you, I hope in Jesus' name, has ever seen the game show Baggage. Uh, anybody? know who Jerry Springer is? Anybody remember Jerry Springer? Okay. All right. Anybody not know who Jerry Springer is? I want to find the real Christians in our church. Good job. Thank you. And so Jerry Springer, in an attempt to make a comeback, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, uh, did this game show. It was on the game show network called Baggage. And uh, that was the name of his show. And the premise of this show was, it was like a dating game. Oh, there we are. Yay. Tom O'Hurley, that was his name. Yeah, I told the first service, there's a key uh, to winning game shows. Uh, don't take your family. That's how you, no, I'm just kidding. Mimi was like, wait a minute. And uh, yeah, we almost won. We just, but we didn't. We're losers. Anyway, so, um, but back to, to uh, baggage. So in this game show, the, the concept is, uh, it's like the dating game. So there are three, if you will, uh, hopefuls, and then there is the main contestant who is going to choose between one of these three to take out on a date, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but the hitch is that each one of these three contestants have baggage. And the person who's trying to pick which one they're going to go out on a date with has to kind of hear about each part of their baggage and decide whether or not, whoa, that's too much baggage. I am not taking you out. You're crazy as a loon. And so, and so they have three suitcases, and they go through it. You know, the first one's a little, you know, light, like, you know, I, I eat a stick of butter every night, you know, or something crazy, or, you know, or some chick who's never, you know, shaved her legs or her armpits. I mean, she's literally at corn rolls. And so, and so you know, something like that, you know. So, and, and, and I had to stop watching it because it got, you know, Jerry Springer style. It began to get more and more sexual and wicked and that kind of thing. But, but it was pretty cool concept in that, you know, and the guy or the gal, whoever's picking the dates, you know, it's like, oh wait, no, that's way too much baggage. Number one, you're out of here. Or number two, you know, I'm picking you or number, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's a really cool concept. And I really think that some of us even see that as how we engage with Jesus and the church. In fact, could I just say this to you? Jesus picks you no matter how much baggage you have. He loves you no matter what you are, what you've done, what you've been through. He says, I'll pick you every time. I want you and all your baggage and all your mess. And we use the word baggage um, in this context almost like the junk in our life. Uh, and and, and we use, I'm using this word baggage almost to kind of illustrate 
illustrate how you and I have sometimes hidden sin, uh, those things that we don't want anybody to know about us. We have these um, fault lines. We have these hang-ups. We got these things in our life. And unfortunately for most of us, church is not a place where that could be, or if you will, uh, should be a place where you could get healed and delivered and feel accepted. And fortunately, that's what church has been in the past. But I want to point out to you today, that's not Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. And in fact, let's read this. This is our key scripture today in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. If you'll turn on your Bibles and go there with me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I might would translate that into saying, all of you who are tired of carrying the bags, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how Jesus approaches mine and your junk. He doesn't approach it like, when you get it right, then come to church. You'll be mine when you finally stop being like that and acting like that and having that hidden stuff there. When you finally get rid of it, then you can be mine. That's not at all what he does. He says, come unto me. Now, in Jesus' time, when he walked the earth in human form, when Jesus walked the earth in human form, there were religious leaders of the time, Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious leaders of the Jewish people, God's people. And they had to translate, if you will, God's law, God's expectations to the people. And many times, they over-translate it. They put heavy burdens on the people. In fact, look what Jesus says about them in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 3 and 4. And he's telling the people, he says, listen, you got to obey them. And look what he says. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. In other words, they tell you, you got to go to church, you got to do this, you got to tie, you got to be this, you got to be this, you got to be this and be this. And if you do that, then God accepts you. And Jesus says, listen, yeah, you got to listen to them. But don't do what they do because they themselves are just putting more and more burdens on people. And they themselves aren't even lifting a, lift, a, a finger to try to help them get through this thing called life. And Jesus said, but I'm not like that. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is like, come to me, all you who are just tired and weary. You know, I get the mental picture that our Christian walk is like, the Bible calls it narrow is the road, small Thin, narrow is the road that leads to life. Wide is the interstate that leads to death. There's many going to hell. And just a few, it seems like, going to heaven. And I picture that I'm climbing this narrow path, you know, up the side of a mountain, down into valleys, down through, you know, Amazon, Amazon jungle stuff. And can you imagine how hard it is to walk this Christian life out full of bags that you're trying to get through? I want to tell you today, not only does Jesus accept you and your baggage, but he loves you so much that he wants to free you from your baggage. He wants to set you free. You don't have to be a pervert anymore. You don't have to be a, a, a hidden, a prejudiced individual anymore. You don't have to have hatred in your heart for people or for an individual anymore. He can free you. He has the power to set you free. That's why we sing those songs and preach that message because it's his message. I have come that you might have life. He actually says, I have come to set the captives free. You and I do not have to carry our baggage up the side of the mountain, down through the wilderness as we're on this journey with Jesus. He wants to lighten our load. Turn to the person next to you and say, lighten the load. Turn to the person on the other side and say, lighten the load. 
In fact, there's this amazing, amazing testimonial, if you will, in the scriptures. In the book of Acts, now the book of Acts, out of all the books in the New Testament, the book of Acts is kind of like the historical moments of the early church. So Jesus dies, he resurrects, he then starts his church, he uses the disciples that he had raised up, and they start the church, and the church, the followers of Jesus, and it begins to explode, and things begin happening. Uh, One of the guys who hated Christians, Saul, or Paul as we know him, uh, he, he gets converted, and then we look in the book of Acts as Paul is sent out by Jesus to go out and convert people and build churches and, and help people know that, that, that God loves them. So Paul, on one of his journeys, missionary journeys, one of his you know, outreach times, he goes to a city called Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is one of these cities. Ephesus is like Las Vegas on steroids. Ephesus is like this place where they're all even into mysticism. They're into like, you know, they're into incantations. They're all looking for power. And they have all this kind of, it's kind of a cultural thing where they all do like seances and they're calling on higher powers and these spirit realms and this kind of stuff. And kind of like a forever Halloween season, if you will. And so they got this whole thing going. In fact, the people of Ephesus have gotten into a concept that there are little powers and bigger powers. And that if you go to the emu or imad or you go to the so-and-so priest or the such-and-such, they will help you, if you will, get the holy something-something-something powers to overcome the powers of little powers that are affecting your life. And so they would go get prayers written uh, from the sun god to help me overcome the darkness god, if you will. And they would carry these little prayers. They paid lots of money for to have these incantations, these, these summings of powers, these little prayer things. And they would write them in these little many scroll things and they would carry them in necklaces around their neck and so every it was the in vogue thing to do in this season and so Paul steps into this environment and he begins preaching Jesus he begins preaching the true one true God and so they start listening to him because Paul starts casting demons out of people people start getting free in fact Paul has such an explosion of God's power in the in, in the city of Ephesus that they would take apron they would take pieces of cloth from his body and they would bring them and go put them on sick people and sick people would get healed and so I mean handkerchiefs everything and so it's just a move of God's power and Paul's casting demons out of everyone it's just powerful and people are like who's this dude Paul oh my goodness who's this good dude Paul they're tweeting about him have you seen this dude my goodness watch this instant story real quick oh my god that's unbelievable he's just boom boom casting devils out of people all the disciples that are with him are helping and people are getting I mean just miracles and miracles are happening so all of these spiritualistic people are starting to get attention like wow Paul's got he's got the new cool God that we don't know about the new cool power so there's a group of seven dudes the Bible calls them seven sons of Sceva, right here in Acts chapter 19. And these seven sons of Sceva, they decide that they're going to have them kind of a Ghostbusters type business. They're going to go around casting demons out of people. They don't know God. Uh, their dad is some type of like Jewish rabbi kind of guy. But they're kind of got this business going because it's big money. Dude, if you can, if you can, get, if you can do an exorcism, they're going to pay, pay us big money. And so they've been paying attention to this guy named Paul. And Paul keeps using the name of some God named Jesus or something. And so they end up in an exorcism with this dude full of demons in chapter 19, a book of Acts. And they, they're getting in kind of a tip. The demons aren't really doing obeying them real well and they're saying little incantations hey, 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 hey. we cast you by the power of the sun god and the demons are like ah 
might, no power. And so then they go, well, let's use that name that Paul's been using. So, so lead, come out of him in exorcism in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And the demons inside of this goes, God goes, hey, I know who Paul is. And I know who Jesus is, but who the beep are you? And starts beating these seven dudes to a pulp. They run out of the house naked and beat down like they barely survived the experience. When the people of Ephesus hear about this, I mean, when that Facebook Live piece goes out, when that little uh, video on YouTube hits, and they can see these guys getting beat by this one guy with demons, and they see these guys, and they come running out of the house all naked and beat down after trying to, you know, use some name named Jesus that they don't know and all of a sudden the entire city says they all were gripped with fear respect for whoever this guy is that Paul knows he is this Jesus is the one true God and they begin to repent and call upon Jesus. Talk about a massive revival in a city full of, if you will, spiritualism, satanic type stuff, witchcraft and this kind of stuff and I want to pick up right here in this passage, in Acts 19 and verse 18, as this has come about, look what it says, verse 18, many of those who believed, so many of the people who said, I, Jesus is the right way, we put our belief in him, we will serve him. Those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds, their evil deeds, the things that they had been doing in secret, the private stuff. Can I tell you what's wrong with the church? We never open the bag. We never say, I need help. This is what I am. This is what I've been doing. Because someone told us in church, you can't act that way. You can't let them know that you got problems. You all have to make some pretentious thing. That is not church on the hill. That is not me. That is not the people of this church. We come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm broken. I don't know how to fix it. I need you. And when we open the bag, Jesus says, now I can do something for you. Now I can fix that. Now you don't have to be like that anymore. I can't tell you how many people. Have you ever met these people? They've been, quote, going to church for 30, 40 years, and they're still perverts. They're still hateful. They're still prejudiced. How, what God are they serving? I'll tell you what they've done. They've kept the bag zipped up, put away, and won't let Jesus even get to it. But what does Jesus say? Come to me. Come to me. Look what these guys do. They begin to confess their evil deeds. A number of them who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls. They just took the stuff off their, just all the little chains, all these thousands of dollars that they spent on these little incantations, private written incantations for them, all their little, you know, you know, all their little, you know, keep their vampires away stuff that they had all around them, you know, that they're carrying everywhere. And it says they brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. In today's time frame, that would be $4 million. $4 million. They got out in the parking lot of the church, and they started ripping this stuff off and said, that's connected to my old way. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not connected to witchcraft anymore. I'm not, I, I'm not a pervert anymore. I'm not sexually deviant anymore. I'm not going to go worship at the, at, the, at the Temple of Diana and have orgies like I used to. I love Jesus. He is my Savior. I believe in him. Let the old be passed. And they threw it in a fire. They made a big fire. It was um, There was a real response from being freed from the baggage that had destroyed their lives year after year. I want you to know, we all have baggage. Turn to the person next and say, you got baggage. I know that's right. 
don't you say that to your spouse, bro. You're going to get slapped upside the head. I'm going to tell you that right now. But the pastor said to you, that's one time, do not listen to me right now. If you sit next to your wife, you know you got in the fight on the way over here. Anyway, so, and so, and so th- we all have baggage. you got to realize this. When they open up their baggage and put their faith in Jesus and say, Jesus, set us free, their response was to confess that publicly and then to get rid of everything that was connected to that. I'm telling you, I've had this experience before. Years ago when I was a youth minister, God began to just rock this large youth ministry about a thousand kids every Wednesday night God showed up and young people began to fall on their face I just want Jesus I don't care about anything else and so in the midst of that I decided we just had this nudge from the Lord from this passage let's just get a old casket put it at the front of the youth sanctuary and they can bring all their junk and throw it in the casket. Then we're going to, we had a backhoe, it was a big church. And so I'm going to bury that casket in the back, back of the property with the backhoe. And that stuff's going to be dead from here on out. I thought it was a great idea, especially when they started bringing their drugs. I was like, dude, you're the pastor's kid. How do you have that much drugs? Like, oh my God, throwing condoms in there and all this kind of stuff. And I'll never forget one of my favorite kids, uh, uh, DJ, we called him DJ. DJ had been this little thug, little dude. And you know, he, 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 we, in those days, we called it, you know, slinging rocks or selling drugs. And, uh, and so DJ showed up. He came walking in the service and he, ha- he had his buddy with him and he had these rims off his car. I said, What are you doing? He goes, Pastor, this was my identity. He said, this is $5,000, or $5,000 worth of rims that when I rolled up into an area, everyone knew I was selling drugs and that this was kind of like my calling card were these expensive gold rims. In those days, they put them on cutlasses or whatever, continentals or whatever. Some of you know where I'm going. And so, and so, and so hydraulics even in those days. And he said, Pastor, this is not me anymore. I belong to Jesus, and I don't want any identification with that. And so, so he, he threw them up in, the, in, 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 up in, uh, you know, up in the casket. Well, you know, the problem was all the Christian kids standing around that had been saved for too long. So we're like, hey, uh, are you going to sell those? Like, are you, what are you going to do with those? I'm like, we're going to bury it. Then I could see them like, we can dig that up tomorrow night and get those rooms. I was like, dude, we got to do something different. He goes, the guy, DJ said, Pastor, I know what we're going to do. He comes back. He's got a sledgehammer. He said, let's go out in the parking lot. And we sat there, and we destroyed those rims. Because for him, listen to me, he didn't want the baggage anymore or anything associated with the baggage anymore. He had brought that up publicly. He had confessed that. He had opened up the bag and said, yeah, this is what I am. This is what I did. This is what I was a part of. But I don't want that anymore. And he threw that, if you will, into the fire and said, that belongs not to me anymore. That belongs to the pit of hell. I belong to Jesus. Friend, I can't tell you. I can't tell you the little girl who, who brought her little Daisy Duke shorts and threw them in the casket. I was like, uh, "What is that?" She goes, "I wear these to get all the dudes' attention where I uh, where I live." And I'm like, "Put them in there." Or the little dude who, or or, or the 19 year old, or you know, the 20 year old who brought their cognac, you, you, you know, their their anyway, their alcohol bottles and began to throw them in there because that was the first time they got drunk and got laid and they were throw, that was a point of contact. Or the, or the shirt that they had worn in that situation that they still get drawn back into. Or the first time they had a homosexual experience and they held on to the pictures of that individual and they began to bring them and throw them into that thing. Can I tell you, freedom happened. People began to get so broke, broke free from, if you will, from all the junk that the enemy had tried to destroy. Can you imagine? You cannot walk through the airport with all these bags. 
But yet we try to do it in our Christian walk. We're trying to carry this burden. We're trying to carry this thing. And we got shame. And so we won't let anybody see this one. This one has to stay. <laughs> God bless you. So glad you're here. God, thank you for being in church. Woo, God bless you. What's that behind you? Ain't nothing back here. What you talking about? I'm good. Praise the Lord. And then when it accidentally gets open, you don't show up to church for six months. And then you're like, I'm like, where you been? Oh, it's been a hard time, Pastor. It's been hard times. I mean hard times. I've uh, just been going through some things. What you been going through? Your bag got open and we are starting to find out about it. Why don't you open it and let Jesus heal you and set you free? I want to move us back to our key scripture. And I want to take you to what Jesus said on how we can, if you will, debag our life. So I'll take you through a couple of steps. Let's go back to our key scripture. Verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary, all who are tired and burdened, carrying these old bags of shame and wickedness still attached to your life. Adam McCain translation. And I'll give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to give you the first step that Jesus gives us on how to get rid of all this baggage. Number one, Come to Jesus. He says, come to me. We keep going to everybody else. We keep hiding it. We keep pretending that it's not that Jesus, come to me. Come to me. Don't you love how Jesus reaches out to us? Don't you love that he doesn't say, go do this, then I'll accept you? That's the God of heaven and earth. I don't know what church background you have or religious concepts you have, but if they say anything other than this, it's not Jesus. They say you got to do these 17 things for him to forgive you. That's not Jesus. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. He doesn't say, I don't want you until you do this. He says, come to me. I mean, that's an attitude that is so beautiful. He doesn't dictate or demand. He woos us. He, he woos, he, he, he takes his time. Some of you, you've been almost coming to Jesus for so many years. You get right up there, ah, no, and Jesus doesn't get mad at you. He doesn't cause you to get in car accidents so he can get you back or something like that. He woos us to himself. The Bible actually says it was his kindness that led us to repentance. Not his judgment. It was his kindness that led you and I to repentance. I mean, once we see how gentle he will be with our junk, once we see how glorious he is, even though we're perverted and wicked and stupid and whatever we are, once we see how good he is to us in the midst of our junk, we'll realize what true love looks like. Years ago, when I was just a kid, um, you know, we lived in Louisiana, and mom had this bad habit of taking in stray cats. And, um, and so I'll never forget, one day I came home from football practice, and I'm like, hey, where's everybody at? Mom's like, shh, shh. I'm like, what? Like, is there a murderer in here? What are we sissing about? And she's at the back door, and she has put some cat food out on the edge of the, of the backyard carport thing. And she goes, come here, come here, come here. And I go walking over, and she's peeking through the blinds because there's a stray cat out there that she's been trying to help keep alive. And this cat is real. Like, and as you look at this cat, someone has either cut her tail off beat her, whatever, and this cat is real skittish. And she's like, look, she's eating the food I put out there. I'm like, great. <laughs> like, we need another cat. Mm, over the next couple days, I'd come home, and she goes, come here, come here, come here. It was a little closer to the back door, and the cat's eating, but it's looking at 
a little closer to the back door. And then one day I came in, and she had the back door open, the sliding glass door, but the screen was still closed. And she was sitting there talking to it. Come on, little baby. I love you so much. And the little cat's like, and she'd go to move, and the cat would take off running. But come back every day. Why? Because it was hungry. I'll never forget the day that I come in. She goes, I pet it. I touched it. It was awesome. I was like, what did it do? Oh, it ran off. But it'll be back. It'll be back. And she named that cat before we ever even got. She named that cat. She said, I named it Naomi. Which in the Bible, Naomi is the one who went through hell. Her husband died. Her sons died. She had been beat up by life. And she actually said, don't even call me Naomi. Call me Myrna, which means bitter. I'm bitter at God. I'm bitter at everybody. She said, that's her. But I'm going to help her. I'm going to turn her into sweet and nice. And she's going to know my love. I was like, oh, should have had more kids. That's your problem right there. (laughs) And so, can I tell you something? Naomi... Naomi, because mom took her time and wooed her in and wooed her in. It took weeks, months. Naomi ended up being one of the best house cats we ever had. Because once she got that kind of love and realized, wait a minute, you're not going to beat me like the last one beat me. You're not going to rip my tail off like the last person who hated me did. You actually love me for who I am and what I am and what I look like. And she found a home in love. I want you to understand something. Come to Jesus. The prestige has find everything you need in him. The money hasn't done it. The prestige hasn't done it. The success hasn't done it. It hasn't broke off the bags. In fact, you got more baggage now that you've gotten to that place of success. What you need is to come to Jesus. Here's the second thing that we learn to do, and he says, and take on my yoke, or take on Jesus's nature. A yoke was identified as the way that a rabbi did things. Uh, a way that uh, the rabbi's doctrine, his philosophical way of doing things. Jesus doesn't talk so much in Scripture about his philosophy as he does about his nature. His nature. Have you ever been around a nice person? Just, you, you start being around nice people, you start acting nice. You know why some of you mean? Because everybody around you mean. You need to get around some nice people. No, seriously. He says, take on my yoke or take on my nature. You and I have to learn to take on Jesus' nature. And, and to take on Jesus' nature, guess what we got to do? Let go of our old nature, right? Because we're all born into sin, and we all have a nature. We all have a nature. Like, for example, the way I grew up before I was a Christian, if you hit me, I would try to kill you. It wasn't like punch for punch. It was punch for I try to murder you. That was my response. Because as a smaller guy, you got to realize, I mean, in school, listen, in our day, bullying, that was just going to school. There was like, that was like, that's school. You, everybody gets bullied. You bully everybody. It's, it's you know, the strong survive. <laughs> everybody else, you shouldn't have been born. That was kind of the concept, you know. And so being a smaller, weaker guy, you know, everybody wanted to bully me. Well, I'll never forget the first couple times it happened. I was real ashamed that I couldn't defend myself. So I decided I was going to be the kid that you were scared to death of. That strong, silent, crazy in the head kind of kid. I was going to be that kid. So I'll never get the first kid who beat me down. And I'm telling you right now, I hated him. And so I, I, he did it a second time. And after school, I waited for him that next day. He did it on the playground. On the second, uh, second time he did it, I waited for him after school. I was standing behind a wall. And he came walking past. He had one friend with him. And as soon as he walked past me, I picked up a brick and I hit him in the back of the head. Wa-pow! In the back of the head, he fell to the ground. A little blood coming out the side of his head. And his friend looked at me. I was like, you want some? He's like, no. He took off running. This guy kind of got up days, and I stood over him. I said, if you ever touch me again, I will kill you. 
I will cut you into little bitty pieces and they'll never find the parts. Do you understand me? He's like, get out of here. But let me tell you what that did. That became my nature. Became my nature. An angry, in fact, even as I said it, you're like, oh my God, that's our pastor. I was just opening a little baggage from back in the day. When I came to Jesus, guess what Jesus told me? Forgive those. That's what he taught me. So I had to learn to take on his nature. I, 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 not my na- I got to give up my nature to be able to get his nature, right? The other day, we went to buy a newer car. We, we bought it used, but we went to a little you know, dealership place to buy a newer car. And, and, uh, and I brought in to trade in my other car. And I was mad at what they offered me for my car. It's like, this is a good car. They're like, sir, on paper, it's only worth this. I was like, I've had some good times in this car. This car has been for me, been there for me when no one else was there for me. This is a, you need to, you don't value it the way I value it. I'm telling you, I was, I, when everyone else was in the storm and broke down, I had a car that worked. And like, sir, it's, no, it's only worth this much. I'm sorry. If you want this car, you need a trade-in, and this is all we're willing to give you. And so I'm looking at the newer car going, it's actually got a backup camera. There's no backup camera in my old car. This one, actually, the tires are not bald. But I've had these tires for seven years. I, they're like family. They're part of I know how to stop way in advance. <laughs> you know, I, just, it's not, I don't take the car fast. You mean in this car I can take the car fast? Wow. I had to decide, will I trade in my old car to be able to get my new car? So you have to make a decision. Will you let go of your old ways to be able to take on his ways? He says, come to me. Come on. Come to me. I'm going to get rid of that baggage if you come to me. Now, as you come to me, you've got you to open up the bag, and you've got to be willing. To, let me take it. Let me throw it out for you. But look what I'm going to give you in response. But this is new. It's weird. Being nice to people? That's not my way. Yeah, but it's my way. It's my nature. Forgiving those who, who've been wrong, and it's, it's not right. It's not just. Yeah, but it's my way. Jesus is on the cross, and one of the last things he says is, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. If it had been me and you on the cross, we'd have been like, Dad, I'm done. Burn them. Burn it down. Burn it down. Let's start over. <laughs> you know, that would have been our attitude. And she's like, no, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Why? Because that's his nature. You say, well, this is just how I am. Well, how you are is wrong. It's broken. He said, come to me. Come, come, come. Aren't you tired of it? Aren't you tired of hiding that thing? Aren't you tired of being embarrassed about that? Aren't you tired of your anger causing your kids not to, to, to like you? Aren't you tired of going from a relationship to relationship because you so, you're, so, you're so full of insecurity and you're carrying that thing everywhere you go? Aren't you tired of losing job after job because you're so arrogant? Aren't you tired of that? Come to me. Aren't you weary? Come, in, come to me. All your baggage, I'll help you with it. But you got to come to me. And then number two, you got to be willing to take on my yoke, which means you got to let go of your way of doing things. And then he gives us a third thing. And this one little passage is really cool how he gives it to us. And he says, learn from me. Or number three, learn from Jesus. So number one, we come to Jesus. This is how you want to get the baggage out of your life? Come to Jesus. Number two, take on his way of doing things, his nature. Get rid of your nature. And then number three, learn from Jesus. Can I tell you something? Every day I wake up. And I'm trying to relearn how Jesus does stuff. Every day, I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make a choice. Will I 
learn from Jesus or will I learn from my, the way I was raised or the, what I went through? See, everything that you do is learned behavior. I don't know if you know this, but that's true. As psychologists, someone else around you did that. Maybe it's the way your mom did it or your dad did it. Maybe it's the way everybody in first grade did it where you grew up. Maybe that's what everyone in the neighborhood that you grew up, how they did it and how they handled it. But you have learned behavior. We all have learned behavior. And so Jesus says, listen, if you're going to trade out your old way and take on my way, then you're going to have to actually actively learn how I do things. You've got to actually realize that, that when, they, when they cursed me, I blessed them. When they rejected me, I embraced them. You're going to have to learn my way. And can I tell you something? I've been a Christian for almost 40 years. I'm still learning Jesus. I'm still learning. In fact, the greatest thing you could ever do is humble yourself and say, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm still learning Jesus. I'm learning him every day. Just every day I'm learning more about how to be like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of watching people carry baggage in their Christian walk. You don't have to be an angry individual. You don't have to be a impoverished individual. God didn't make you to be a sexually deviant individual. God doesn't want you to have to carry up these hatreds in your heart and somehow survive this Christian walk. He actually gave power to overcome. And this is where a lot of churches miss it. They don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit and His power because they're somehow embarrassed or scared of the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? We were good church people with a lot of baggage. And then one day, we learned about the power of the Holy Spirit that would break off generational curses, that would free us from sin habits and the baggage and empower us to live a victorious Christian walk, to overcome sin, to overcome wickedness. I didn't know about that when I first got, became a Christian. We didn't know that in our first couple of churches. And then we started studying the scripture. God has power for you. I want you to know something. As your pastor, we pray and seek God for you and your family every day. And we ask God to free you from the baggage and empower you to overcome. And so we do things to help you get there. And this Friday night is one of them. This Friday night, we're doing an encounter. We'll do it right here at the church. It's more private. It's not open to the public. It's just open for those members who say, I need, I need some freedom in some things. It's for those members who say, you know what, I want to openly just, I, I just want to openly say, I need prayer. I need help for some things. Who say, you know what, I'm tired of living like this. I want someone to lay hands on me. I want power that God said I could have. I don't want to constantly be living in this place of anger, hatred. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of trying to fake it till I make it. I just want the real Jesus. In the book of Acts that we studied, when they got the real Jesus, they took all the other junk and said, it's of no value. And power exploded on the scene. Revival hit that city. As one, two, ten, twenty, fifty, hundred, thousand people just began to say, I don't want that, I want Jesus. And he freed them and set them free. I want to do that with you this Friday night. In fact, I'd like you to go to our website and register. All you have to do is go to the events page. You'll see the encounter. Click on it, register. I don't care if you've been to ten of them. If you still got some baggage that, that you, know, you want to get free from, I want you to come to that. We're going to pray with you. It's going to be intimate. It's going to be special. I'll actually teach you and some preliminary teachings that I'll send you by way of video so that you can prep for it and know what to expect and you won't be caught off guard like, what are they going to do? Like I saw this thing on YouTube. Is that church on the hill? 
No, if you'll register for it, I'll send you, I'll send you some teachings from me to you, and so you can know exactly what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And then if that still makes you uncomfortable, don't come. But I believe that we can have a church that's not carrying the baggage anymore. I don't want you to be ashamed of what you've been through or what you've done. In fact, I want you to turn that shame into a testimony. The brokenness of your life into a place that you can help others. But only, that only happens once we get free from the baggage. I want to pray with you today. Would you do me a favor? Would you set your Bibles down, your notebook, your spouse, whatever, and stand with me across the room? I was holding my spouse the whole time. Just take a moment, just close your eyes with me. I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus also said, I have come to set the captives free. Paul said, when it comes to sinners, I was the chief. I had more baggage than anybody else. And I was a good religious man. I went to church more than anybody else. I studied the Bible and the scriptures more than anybody else. But I was more bound up and had more baggage than anybody. It was his grace that wooed me to himself and set me free. Every one of us have baggage and every one of us need freedom. Every one of us need freedom. Everyone. What happens sometimes over the years, being a Christian, I've been a Christian for, like I told you, almost 40 years. Sometimes we just go back and pick up old baggage. Jesus came that we might have life. And he told us, come to, come to me. I want to I help you lay down the burdens. I want to I cut out the baggage. I want you to be able to run and not grow weary. I don't want you to worry about all that old sinfulness from the past. I want you, I want you to have power over it. Today, right where you stand, with your head bowed and your eye closed, would you just engage with Jesus for just a moment? Could you start the process of at least acknowledging that you have baggage? Could you almost picture in your mind that you're standing in front of Jesus right now and you pull the bag out and you unzip it or you unsnap it and you say, Jesus, you know this is what I got. Could you just be courageous enough, even in your heart, to admit, yeah, man, I really got to get free from this. And could you call on the name that's above every name, the, the only one who can free you and me? A church can't free you. Small group leader can't free you. Only Jesus can free us. He's the only one who could go to the cross, die for our sins, and empower us with the ability to overcome. Right where you stand, would you just take a moment with your head bowed and your eye closed and under your breath, say, Jesus, please free me from this. Whatever the this is for you, whatever it is, hatred, bitterness, perversion, whatever it is, judgmentalism, Whatever it is, greed, lust for power, whatever your baggage is, could you just ask the Lord right where you stand? Say, Lord, I admit that I have it and I need your help. Would you be, could you be that kind of Christian for a moment? Could you be the kind of man who's real, the kind of woman who's honest? My Lord, I'm tired of dead church and dead religion. Church on the hill will not be that. It won't be that. We won't be that. Father, I thank you right now that you told us come. He tells us, go do this and go do that. He said, come to me. What a precious Savior. Come to me, I'll fix it. You can't fix it. Come to me, baby. Let me get it. Come bring me that finger. I'll get that splinter out of it. Come here. Come, come over here. I'll sew that back up. I'll heal that up. Father, I thank you right now that you love us.
that I don't have to live. Thank you for being my Savior, but also thank you for empowering me with your Holy Spirit to overcome, that I don't have to live a life where I carry baggage and go back to my old ways and my old wickedness, that I can have power to overcome. Jesus, I ask you now to enrage the hearts of the men and women in this room against the wickedness that has tried to attach them, that they would say, wait a minute, I don't have to live like this. What is this? They stopped just suffering with the baggage. Oh, that's my lot in life, you know. I just got to climb this thing out. I just got to just suffer through it, you know. It's how I always am. It's how my mom was, how I am. God, no. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they can have a revelation, that they can be free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. You said you came to set the captives free, to declare liberty to those of us that were imprisoned in darkness and wickedness. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray that men and women in this room, right where they stand, Lord God would say, yes, I want freedom. Would you do me a second thing while your head is bowed and your eyes closed? Would you ask the Lord if he'd have you come this Friday night with us? Would you ask him? I'm sure you're busy. I'm sure you're scheduled way in advance. But I really would like to see you walk in some freedom. Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, is that for me? Do I need to do that? I don't care if you've been two and three times to an encounter. We do this so strategically to work against the enemy's plan. Do you realize that we're in October where more people worship satanic powers than any other time of the year? The United States opens itself up to wicked powers of darkness. And I tell you, you need a fresh encounter with the Lord. You need a fresh breakthrough. You need a fresh freedom moment. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that men and women in this room would hear your voice. And Lord God, that we would fill this place on Friday and get on our face and say, Lord, come heal us and you'll heal us. Lord, come take the baggage and you'll take it and destroy it. Lord God, I thank you. Freedom is why you came. You came to set the captives free. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian in this place today, would you let me pray with you? Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but I, you know, life happens, you know. And I feel separated, divorced from Jesus. I you know, I, I don't know. Just life happened, you know. Friend, I got such good news to, for you. He's not mad. He doesn't hate you. He says to you, come. Come to me. Come to me. I want you to know that you must have something in your heart towards God or you wouldn't have come here today. Come on, you didn't drive up in the parking lot going, oh, I thought it was a club. What happened? You tricked me. No, there's something in your heart that wants more of God. It wants to be right with God. And so today, I want to give you an opportunity. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's not saying that you got to give money to the church to be forgiven or that you got you to do good deeds and help poor people to be forgiven. He says, no, confess me, believe in me, follow me. Because the concept is if you'll confess him as Lord and Savior, that means you actually love him, you actually want him in your life. The old preacher said it like this, there's a door between you and Jesus. There's a door between you and Jesus. He keeps knocking. Will you let me in? And the old preacher would say it like this, but there's the doorknob's only on one side. It's on your side. You've got to open up and let him in. He doesn't kick down doors against our will. He responds to those who call upon him. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian, but I want to be one. I want, I want God in my life. I, I, I don't want to live the way I've been living. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be it. I walked away and I want to come home. I want to come back to God today. No one's looking around. This is a very private, deep, eternal decision. And remember, indecision is a decision. 
I don't know right now. Yeah, you do. You're saying you don't want him. Just own it. But today, if you come to the conclusion, I want God in my life. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you let me pray with you? I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you need to acknowledge it to yourself and to heaven. And I'd like you just to lift your hand if that's you. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with God. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pray with me, Pastor. I'm ready. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, thank you for your honest. Thank you. Many hands going up. Thank you. Yes, sir. No one's looking around. It's just me, you, and heaven. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. I see you. About two more seconds. This is your moment. Make a decision, yes or no, and then we'll move on. Yep. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being authentic. Thank you for letting Jesus love you. Amen. You can put your hands down. I want to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about the words. I just spend a lot of time with Jesus so, so I can help initiate the relationship. And this is a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. And those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. In fact, those, the rest of us in the audience, would you pray out loud alongside of these? Those of you who raised your hand, I want you to pray out loud, but I, I, I want the others around you to pray out loud as well. So let's say it together. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, a little bit better. Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. And I admit that I've sinned against you. But I ask you now, please forgive me. And here and now, in front of everyone, I accept what you did on the cross for me. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that my name is in your book of life. And I promise to serve you for the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who cried out to you. I pray right now they feel peace. (laughs) The elephant's out of the room. You're not mad at them. They're not mad at you. The relationship has been restored. Thank you, Lord, that their eternity is secure in you now. Lord God, they're yours. And yeah, they may not be perfect. And yeah, they're going to still carry some baggage until you, they let you really get to all of it. But Lord, they're yours. They're your son or daughter now. And God, I thank you that when the days come, and they may stumble a little bit here or there, and the lies begin to stir in their minds, see, you didn't mean it. You're fake. They say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. And, 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 I, and, I, and I may not know how, how to do it all right, and I, I don't really... I still got a lot of my old me in me, but I know this. I'm his son, and I'm his daughter, and I belong to Jesus, and he'll work those things out as I learn him. Father, let these truths overtake the lies of old past religion and misunderstandings. Father, thank you for your healing power to deliver us in Jesus' name.